0: What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 Lock.
1: Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate, I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 137, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Revisions.
2: Revisions! You know, Brent, I just thought about that that this would have been an excellent time to revise this opening bit, and I totally didn't think about that until right now, I'm sorry.
1: That's okay. Well, you know what? Let me stare off into the distance a little bit. Okay. Wait, what is this that we're doing? Wait. Oh, sorry. Too far. Let me do it again. They can search for walking through the Stargate and find us. Anyone in your life who wants to listen to Stargate podcast content can do so. You can tell them all about it. They can find it on Google Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts and on my personal favorite, any podcast aggregator, but don't worry, all of our content eventually makes it onto the made feed, which, of course, you found. It's a lot of fun. Zach and I also make Stargate Second Chances, where we rewatch episodes based on your votes. Uh, we have, uh, let's see here, tiers and privileges and stuff. Zach will tell us more about it in a bit. But one of the privileges is that we make some Patreon first podcasts, like The Other Side of the Gate, where Zach and David talk about spoilery things and big picture concepts. Uh, you know, we're an independent podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so over at Patreon. Dot com slash walking through the Stargate. So Zach, yes, if Fred. someone wants to let us know that I accidentally rewrote the whole thing backwards and now I gotta go do the doo-doo doo doo's again and get it straight this time, um how how might they do that?
2: Well, if you are confused by the revisions that we have made in this intro, you can let <laughs> us know by emailing us at walking at <laughs> You can also, of course, tell us on Twitter at Stargate Walking, and so then it's not just us that hears about this, it's the whole world that hears about this, because everybody (laughs) listens to Twitter. You can also go to Facebook, and the Facebook Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and group and all that stuff, and have similar conversations there, which is a larger group than just on Twitter, but you know, or you can go to the website WTTS.space. Space! and you can look at it, but you can't actually tell us anything about it because we don't have any means of you communicating with us through the website. However... If you go to the website, you will get the link to go to Discord, and on yes. Discord, you can get me be part of our local community, which is just the Stargate, walking through the Stargate listeners and all that stuff, and then you can get, talk about all of that stuff, and you and all of your other walking through Stargate listener friends can talk about how confusing this whole thing is.
1: <laughs> you know, I do feel a tiny bit bad if somebody is listening to our podcast for the first time, starting with this episode, which is... Not too likely, but it's possible. It's possible. Because Welcome. that intro you made no new sense. Listener. We appreciate you here. made no sense. Yes. New listener, don't worry. I'll revise the intro next time. Okay.
2: <laughs> Whew. All right. Uh, and then, of course, we have the Patreon uh, on patreon.com slash walking through Stargate. Uh, you get votes and all that stuff. We have now one of our second chances on the scheduled. Uh Yes to record next Friday as we are That's sitting right. here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, David and I, he sent me a text a couple of days ago and I haven't responded. I am a bad podcast host.
1: Bad <laughs> host. Bad host. I haven't you responded. can do it.
2: I can do it. Uh, I don't need to talk to David about because we have everything we need pretty much for the next other side of the gate. We Excellence. just need to find a time to sit down and record, uh, which is not an easy time at this point in time. However, we're getting there and stuff step by step so brent yes shall we dig into this episode Ooh. of revisions
1: already is it time it is that time all right unless yes. you Let's have something
2: be... else that you need to talk about
1: i can't you can. think of anything okay I, I, sure this is our podcast this is our show i could talk about the weather no i don't wanna all right i'm ready to talk about revisions <laughs> <laughs> Please let's not talk about the weather. <laughs> okay, all right. We
2: will uh, talk about revisions. Uh, Sounds good. Uh, fortunately, it is not acidic and toxic outside. So, no, that's a good, that's
1: a good point. You know that that's great. However, yes. and
2: and we do have a dome. It's called the global atmosphere. That's true. It's a very very big
1: dome. It's so big. It's spherical. It
2: it it covers the entire planet.
1: It's kind of amazing.
2: Uh, And it is actually managed with various geothermal
1: energy sources. That's right. And if they slow down, it will shrink.
2: It will shrink. And that will be a problem for the rest of us.
1: That, yeah, our population will by necessity decline. Now, the (coughs) big question is, will we remember about it?
2: Uh, Well, that only depends on whether we have been linked into, you know, uh, Zuckerberg's metaverse. Uh
1: I suppose it was going to be kind of obvious that I was going to want to talk about the algorithm today. But yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, OK, let's. Uh, so what about what about this episode? What, OK, what, what about so, now. So
2: Revisions is directed by Martin Wood. This is his third of seven directing credits this season. He did Fallen and Homecoming, the first two episodes mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see his name pop up four more times this season. Um, but it'll be a little bit. Uh, oh, I can't remember. He does. Anyway. Doesn't matter. Uh, t- the Teleplay is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. This is their mm-hmm. second of five writing credits this season. They were the writers behind Homecoming, and we will, mm-hmm. of course, hear their names coming up again soon. We have several guest actors that are worth talking about, but I'm mm-hmm. only going to mention uh, well, I'm mention some names here. Uh, we've got Finn Michael. He's councilman number three. Incidentally, this is... Uh, Uh, The guy that looks kind of like uh, Dr. McCoy. Uh, He's one of the councilmen there. Uh, He's also uh, Michael Shanks' stand-in. You had Patrick Keating, who was another councilman. Michael Robinson, which is the other councilman. Wendy Knoll was the councilwoman. Of course, Mm -hmm. we've got Gary Jones in this episode. We have Mm -hmm. Liam Ranger, who plays Nevin. In oh, this episode, yeah. mm-hmm. um, this is the first time we've seen him. He's not done a whole lot since he's been a kid. Uh, I didn't have time to go through all of that. Now, we have mm-hmm. Tiffany Lindell <laughs> Knight. She plays Evala. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk a lot about her because we've seen her before already. Uh, actually, twice. Once mm-hmm. she was just sort of an extra character in the background, and she also played L'Amour in the episode Touchstone in season two.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, I. She definitely looked familiar, big time. Was Lamore one of the main guest actors on that episode?
2: Um. Honestly, I'd have to go back to know if I talked about her for sure. I assume. I, no, I'm pretty sure I did. Um. You know, she was. She was the, the daughter, daughter of the old yeah. guy.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Yep.
2: She's like they came back, uncle yes. or
1: father or whatever or whoever you are. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't daughter. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here, you evil, evil people? Wait, what? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Don't you see? You're destroying our planet. It's another planet about planetary destruction.
1: And oh, I'm
2: starting to see a trend. Ah, well, there you go. We have Peter Lacroix, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who plays Kendrick. Um, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about Peter either, because we've seen him before, too. He played the Ashrak in the episode In the Line of Duty in Season 2. Uh, this is the episode where when we meet Jolinar. Uh, where, uh-huh. Uh, and, and he's the one that was the burn victim that heals himself and then goes on a rampage trying to kill Jolinar. Uh,
1: I believe you. Wow. I don't remember that at all. Do you remember the episode? Well, technically, Okay. There, so much more happened with Jolinar after, um, wait a minute, In the Line of Duty? Whatever, okay. In um, the Line of
2: Duty is an early season two episode. This yeah. is the one when Jolinar uh, goes into uh, Sam and she becomes a guauld for or Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And yeah.
2: then there, 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 there was yeah, a guauld was attack on the base yeah. or on the, the planet and yeah. killed a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Um, now, yes. now you getting it?
1: It's starting to come back to me. Yes. Okay. Okay. I might have to rewatch that, but I only can do that if it hits 10 votes. And now I got to look up here. Um,
2: at this point in time on my list here, I don't have any votes on that. So we'll
1: see here, folks. Okay. There you go. There
2: you go. All right. Now I do want to talk about Christopher Heyerdahl who plays Palin. Yes. Um, He has been in everything. Pretty much. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. Uh, an award-winning Canadian actor, Christopher Heyerdahl, co-stars in one of Amazon's number one series of twenty twenty one Little Marvin's anthology series Them. Chapelwaite mm-hmm. for Epics, James Gunn's The Peacemaker, WGNA's Pure, USA's Damnation, Sky Atlantic's Tin Star, Sci-Fi's Van Helsing, and AMC's hit series Hell on Wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, He started 2021 shooting the feature Corner Office with director Joachim uh, Back and has appeared in the feature films Sicario, Day of the Soldado, Adopt a Highway, and co-starring in Robert Boudreaux's Stockholm. Mm -hmm. He has been in everything. This man was born in British Columbia. Uh, He is known internationally for his powerful performances in film, theater, television, etc., his previous credits include roles as HP Lovecraft in the Gemini Award-winning Out of Mind: The Stories of HP Lovecraft. Mhm. He's also fluent in French and he's acted in several French language shows and films.
1: Interesting. Okay.
2: Um he has like he's got like 190,000 things on his IMDb credit. So mm-hmm. uh, here's just a list of some of them. Uh, 50 States of Fright, Star Trek Discovery, Messiah, mm-hmm. Deadly Class, Midnight, Texas Minority Report, Vegas, Castle, CSI, Falling Skies, as well as recurring guest roles in Supernatural, Caprica, Smallville, Human Target, Stargate Atlantis, the award-winning children's series Are You Afraid of the Dark, in addition to Spielberg's Emmy and Golden Globe award-winning miniseries Into the West. Mm-hmm. Whew.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. He. So, I mean... It- yeah, yeah, he definitely looked familiar to me. I'm totally gonna look him up in Discovery, and I watched Caprica, so I, I you know I'm yep.
2: look him there too. Um, the things I remember him most clearly from would be um, Atlantis. He obviously it's not this character; it's a different character that comes in in Atlantis, who's in several episodes. Uh, I think he actually plays a couple of different characters in Atlantis, mm-hmm. um, and also Sanctuary, which is Amanda Tapping's show. After she did uh, Stargate, she—I think she was like the executive producer and lead. I don't know. She was she was the big name and person behind Sanctuary. Um, are you familiar with that show at all? Nope. Okay. I have not seen Sanctuary. Um, it's kind of, it's kind okay. of a. It doesn't matter. It's a great show. It it's matter. it's worth seeing. Um, so after we have finished Stargates and and then done all the other things that we have already said that we need to do, uh, we'll have to do Sanctuary next. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, you know, there is this thing. It's very peculiar. It's really tough to navigate around. it. It's called time. <clears throat> and it's pretty limited. Um, there isn't. Uh, it's not a renewable resource at all. Um, oh. It has a tendency to kind of slip away from you. Uh, so, you know. We're not going to be able to do it all, Zach. We're not gonna oh, be able to do it all. and by the way, I totally remember this guy's character from Discovery. Just, just, just throwing that out there.
2: Oh, awesome! I have not I was like, seen I've enough seen Discovery to know where he fits in there. Yeah,
1: darling I recommend that show. Maybe, maybe next time we can do Discovery.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll have just to flip a whether it's
1: Sanctuary or Discovery. Oh, funny. So
2: if we did discovery, the big question is, do we have to start at the very beginning, which is with Star Trek 1966?
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Once upon a long time ago, I wanted to. So there was. uh, So a couple episodes ago, we kind of hinted at, you know, the Kazaz and the LimeWire, which I forgot was not BitTorrent. It was actually just P2P sharing. But um, uh, BitTorrent was definitely kind of coming around the scene and what 10 years ago or something there was this at the time humongous um it was like a 10 gigabyte file of every single doctor who episode ever ever including some exceptionally well done uh recreations of some of the episodes that were lost. Now this was before the BBC was doing what they're doing fairly recently, where they're kind of reanimating some of these lost episodes mm-hmm. based off of production stills and things. And those reanimation things are actually pretty, pretty good. Um, but this would be uh, boy. There's one with like, I think the episode's called Marco Polo actually uh, where the, 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 the video is lost and they have a bunch of production stills. So they, so, and the audio, they have the audio. So they're running the audio of the episode alongside production stills. And it kind of works. It's not the best, but it kind of works. Anyway, I remember ages ago, I was like, I'm going to watch every single episode. I did not make it very far. No, so that's no. a lot of, that's a lot of TV to watch.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially bad TV. Like-
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, not it's not bad not TV. Good. Well, I mean, some, some of it's not good, but it's just, uh, the the way of TV from the 1960s and 70s is sufficiently uh-huh. different from the, the 2020s that uh, the the way it's done and the way people think about it is is so radically different it's, no, it's hard for t- our modern brains to to process
1: understandable and I also tend to watch like I'm not a I'm not able to pay any attention to the story if I'm doing something else mm. uh, and so that then demands that I'm literally giving this thing 100% of my attention and And if you're trying to mainline it, like, you know, if you're willing to just watch an episode every every week, half an hour every week, I bet you you could do it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I'm trying to, like, get through 60 years worth of content. (laughs) Gotta keep going. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, uh, Christopher
2: Heyerdahl's first IMDB credit. Came uh, in 1987 in the TV series 21 Jump Street, which, of course, Uh was Peter DeLuise's series. Uh, The episode was Next Generation, and he played the character Jake.
1: No, not that one. No,
2: not that one. Not that one. Okay, so the original air date for revisions was July 11, 2003. This is actually two weeks after the previous episode. That's because... Hmm. July 4th was also a Friday. They, this normally airs, and so they skipped uh, the 4th of July for uh, obvious U.S. reasons. The rest of the world is like, what? Where's my Stargate content? And the U.S. is like, I want to blow things up. Kaboom! Sorry. Um, in any case, it's the what American way. Were people listening to on July 11, 2003? Well... Mm-hmm. Everybody apparently on the entire planet was crazy in love with Beyonce singing oh. Crazy in Love.
1: That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. I can't remember that song right now. I'm sure as it's playing, I'll look it up. And I'll be like, all right, this one. Yep.
0: Yes.
2: You know, um, and and as we are crazy in love, it makes us do weird things like watch movies about weird pirates, like the Pirates of Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. huh. And now, since we're still crazy and now we're addled by watching that one, we realize that we should next watch another movie called League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was absolutely oh, yeah. awful. And then yeah. and then yeah. we realize that the machines have risen and Terminator 3 is the only thing that can stop them.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. And,
2: uh-huh. and 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 then and then we realize that all of this is just insane and we need a lawyer to get us out of this. And so we turn to <laughs> the best lawyers on the planet who are legally blonde. Two oh, red, white, and too. blonde.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. And then after all of that, we look around and we're like, where's Nemo? Where's Nemo? <laughs> Where's Nemo? We got so enraptured by all that now we have to go on an adventure to find Nemo.
1: Not bad. Not bad.
2: It, 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 it works.
1: It, it works. This is technically has a beginning, middle and an end. It,
2: there you go.
1: There mm-hmm. you
2: go. Now the question is will we ever find Nemo? I don't know.
1: I'm not going to spoil it for you.
2: Okay. <laughs> so what was happening around this time
1: uh-huh
2: this is me really really concerned with that um finding Nemo. anyway on july 5 5- <laughs> yeah SARS, you remember SARS? Oh, it was yeah, declared contained by the WHO after affecting mm-hmm. 26 countries and resulting in a whopping 774 deaths. Uh, remember when that a, number felt like a large number?
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, it's not I, a small number. People can be forgiven a little, a little, because those uh, viruses uh, made you real sick real fast always. Yeah. <laughs> like, part of the problem of coronavirus is that some people don't get all that sick. That's the problem. And other people get real sick. Um, whereas, I, th- I believe with SARS it was like, nope, everybody gets real sick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Also on July 5, the Wimbledon Women's Tennis Tournament uh, finals was, was on the July 5th. And Serena mm-hmm. Williams successfully defends her title, beating her older sister Venus for uh, six yes. six four and six two. Uh huh. Uh huh. So good job on you, Serena, against Venus. Yep. On July sixth, and now this is when I turn to you, Brent, because you know what these numbers and letters mean. So you read <laughs> that one for me.
1: All right. Okay. The so the seventy meter. Uh, Eupatoria Planetary Radar sends a medi-message, Cosmic Call number 2, to five stars, HIP 4872, HD 245409, 54, uh, uh, Cancri, or Cancri, probably Cancri, HD 10307, and 47 Ursa Majoris, that will arrive in 2036, 2040, May 2044, and September 24—oh, sorry— <clears throat> 2036 2040 may 2044 september 2044 and 2049 respectively so uh 70 meters that's the size of the radar dish that was used to pump out a message to the stars it happens to be the uh i've never heard of the eupatoria planetary radar but it, it must exist Sends a METI. So, uh, search for extraterrestrial intelligence, message to extraterrestrial intelligence. That must be what METI stands for. So, we sent out a call so, to the stars. So, a
2: METI message is redundant?
1: Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Exactly like a pin number or my favorite. I was watching some football clips the other day and an announcer from the, I don't know when's the 1980s or something was talking about one of the greatest plays in the NFL football league. I was like <laughs> okay, big X. um yeah so we blasted a call out to the stars apparently as the second one that this one either did or or tried to do or whatever to five stars babadi 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 the ones listed and uh that message will arrive the first one will arrive in another uh 14 years from now uh then in 2040 then a couple in 2044 and then 2049 respectively now those who have read The Three-Body Problem and The Dark Forest and Death's End realize that this is a bit of a problem. Just okay. saying. Just saying. But okay. that's, what, that's what happened there, Zach. Okay. We, we, we pumped, we pumped a, radio, a radio message out, and we were all like, hello,
2: hi, we're here. And then, you know, uh, those extraterrestrial intelligences listen to that and like, oh, my, those guys are stupid. We should go fix them. And they come and they destroy us. Uh,
1: well, that's a version of it. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, I mean, you know, it's all about how you rewrite history.
1: I mean, in this particular case, it's going to take a little bit longer than the book I was referencing because we don't exactly have some tricellarans going on here and they're not going to be here in like 100 and, or no, what was it, 300? Something. Like that. I don't know. Whatever. They're going to do their best. But uh, they can at least say hi back if we're willing to wait a grand total of what is that? 68 years? Woohoo. For the earliest? Yeah. Woohoo. Ooh. And well, that's I mean, assuming now it's another... that they,
2: they get our message and know exactly what it is and say hello back immediately.
1: That's precisely correct. Yes, all of those assumptions have to be true.
2: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. that was on July 6th.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the most likely scenario is that there's some green sludge over there and suddenly they, the radio waves pass through them and they continue to be green sludge.
2: Yep. Yep. Um. So on July eight, <laughs> I, can't, I have no way of on. <laughs> on July eight, the Sudan Airways Flight Thirty Nine, with one hundred and sixteen people on board, crashes in Sudan. Mm. The only survivor is a two-year-old boy who subsequently dies as a result of his Oof.
1: injuries. Yuck!
2: Yuck! Not good. Nope. A uh, couple days later, on the 11th, I'm sorry, on the 10th of July, the Neoplan bus owned by uh, Kowloon Motor Bus collides with a truck and falls off the bridge on Tuen Mun Road in Hong Kong. Mm. It plunges into the underlying valley, killing 21 people. This is the, the deadliest Hong Kong traffic accident at uh. least to date. Yuck. Yuck. Ugh. Ugh. Well, um, now here's some, some happier news. Um, on July 15, AOL Time Warner disbands the Netscape Communications Corporation mm. and the Mozilla Foundation is established on the same day.
1: I think I forgot that Mozilla was... I, I mean, this certainly implies that Mozilla is a successor to Netscape. Um, but I think I forgot that.
2: I, I had forgotten that as well. It's been a Um, long time. I remember when Netscape was the thing. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to get onto the Internet, you went to the Netscape. You didn't use this Chrome thing, which didn't exist at the time. Oh, no. Frankly, Internet Explorer was just as bad then as it is now. So you didn't use that. Uh, You went to Netscape. Yeah, and you did the Netscape thing, and it had a little N in the corner, and the N would like like shift in like the the shadows of the N as it was loading, like yeah. like it was a button going in and out, in and out, in and out, and and you know sometimes <laughs> <would> just like, <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> early days of the internet, kids. Oh, and and whenever you hit a button to refresh, it would easily take you a long time.
1: Oh yeah. Oh man, if you were trying to load up anything that was multimedia of any kind, you had to wait for a long time. This is part of the reason why like so this is 2003. Yep. Um you know, multimedia uh, websites were certainly a thing, uh and if you were lucky enough to have some kind of ethernet type broadband speed connection, it was it was passable. It was it was fine. I remember being just just enamored uh that in 1998 you could download 300 megabytes worth of content in about 3 minutes. Um yeah. you could download about a song, once again getting back to Napster and Kazaa and LimeWire in about as long as it takes for the song to play. And it made me say to myself, wow, man, you could like listen to it in real time if you could. Yeah. Um now that that those numbers are hilarious, um but um but there you have it.
2: Yeah. So I remember I got my first uh, broadband internet connection while we were living in Japan at about this mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was an ADSL line, um, and it was twelve megabits per second down and yeah. one megabit per second up. Yeah, and yeah. I thought,
1: "Whoa! We're going oh yeah, that was fast. That was smoking back in the day." <laughs> Oh, just imagine, just imagine the quantity of megabytes you could download, Zach. Just imagine it.
2: Uh, You know, you could, it was fast. I mean,
1: 12 a second, 12 of them every second. Yeah, that was a lot. I mean, that's that's of course. course
2: The problem is that just because you could download that, I mean, the person you were uploading from still had that one megabit per second upload problem, and so you can only download things as fast as people somebody else can upload them.
1: But that was why the P2P thing was so revolutionary, because if I have the file and you have the file and somebody else has the file, what the software can do is say, okay, Brent, you upload the first third, Zach, you upload the second third, and other person, you upload the third third, and we'll do it concurrently, and then the receiver will be getting three t- It'll be basically transferring at three times the speed as we could do it otherwise. So Absolutely. Here we go.
2: Which is exciting. Uh, it was it was fun to watch large files go, zzzz, and then all of oh, a yeah. sudden you'd get, and of course, uh, it, the great thing was that once I had downloaded that first third, then I could be an uploader for somebody yes. else, um, yes. which was great until all of a sudden everybody had the first third downloaded and nobody had the second third and everybody's just like. Ah.
1: And so- uh, media companies, this is why we never were successful in sharing any audio or video content ever in our lives. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Moving on. <laughs> 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 we only ever got the first third. <clears throat>
2: exactly. All right. We have some trivia for this episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: the town within the dome was actually the theme park Fantasy Gardens in Richmond, mm. British Columbia. Um all of it but the Dutch castle has since been torn down. Oh, bummer. Yeah. But it was also um really really small relatively speaking. I mean it was like uh like four streets that were all going into a single hub and so you know every time they turn a corner they just have to uh, stitch it together with something else and then redress everything to make it look like a much bigger thing and they had to film everything in a really wide lens to make it look bigger than it was yeah. And one of the reasons that we have so many crane shots in this episode is because mm-hmm. it was so tight. The only way they could get cameras in there was with a crane hanging up mm-hmm. over there. And But then that's awesome because then you just pull that crane up and out and you get this great uh, wide vistas of, you know, big shots like that. So there you go.
1: I thought the cinematography was great. I could totally tell. It absolutely was unable to be flawlessly convincing that it was more than it was. However... Right. I mean it, it worked it, it's it's in the same way that you like with scenery in a play like obviously that chair is the same thing as that chair over like you know what i mean yeah. like we all know yeah. but it's but but it's it's allowing the imagination to sort of take it the rest of the way and so i thought i thought they did a great job
2: yeah uh, one thing that that just kind of tickles me uh when Ivala disappears uh when she goes through the the dome and dies yeah. which just sad but there's a door that's right there that maybe she snuck through the door. Uh well you right. look at there at the top of the door you see a modern day um you know hydraulic or it's or yes. pneumatic yeah, totally. uh a door open stopper up there and and I'm like this I mean, it totally makes sense for where they were filming, but it doesn't make sense at all for the community in which they were living.
1: They they reduce themselves to a simpler way of life, except for the emergency exits.
2: Except for that particular emergency exit, because it's the only time you see
1: that ever. It's very specific. The computer keeps the force field up mostly everywhere except for that spot. And even then it couldn't really do it towards the end. And that's because that's the way that's that's the way the most common way out. There you go. You can retcon anything.
2: Uh, so, next, the shrinking inhabitable area is much like what happened, what was happening in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's episode Shadow Play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, kind of. Uh, so, in Shadow Play, that's an episode where they go to this planet and um, everybody is basically a hologram, and they're all living in this computer system and and the but the power's getting so they're like slowly shrinking there it, it, it's similar but it's mm-hmm. a little bit different uh it's also like the dying residents similar the dying residents in this is similar to the computer linked society in the outer limits stream of consciousness from mm-hmm. 1997. um uh more importantly the producers are using the same temple implants that were used in that series
1: Oh, okay. So they, they, they're they pretty much just uh, trying to tell the same story a second time. Yeah,
2: sure. You know, hey, go for it, team. Um, the Link technology is, of course, similar to what we've seen with the Cybermen in the Doctor Who episode Rise sure. of the Cybermen. Uh, they yeah, had these okay. big giant things that actually plugged into your ears, but they basically did the same thing. They allowed people to, con- to beam things into your brain and control you, uh, yep. which is kind of scary. Uh, This location is also used for an episode in Stargate Atlantis. So we'll see Ah, this place again uh, and sometime in the future when we get there. Okay. Another thing that will be reused in a future episode is that uh, computer system that Palin uses in the basement uh, will be reused in a season nine episode of Stargate SG-1. Okay, sure. Um, And then the character of Nevin was originally going to be named Aiden. But they changed that because they had already had a character called Aiden Corso in the episode Forsaken from season six. So they changed mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the character Ivala was originally called Ivana, but that reminded Paul Molly too much of Ivana Trump, and so she had they had to change that one as well. Oh,
1: Paul, if only you knew. Oh, oh if only but, you knew.
2: But also Palin's character was originally Parlin, but they just oh, didn't like the way that sounded, so they changed it to Palin.
1: Uh-huh. That's all good.
2: There That's you funny. go. So you got Aiden and Ivana, Ivana, not Ivana, Ivana, yep. and Parlin. But they all got changed.
1: They all got, got changed. We don't like the way that sounds. Don't like the mouthfeel.
2: So uh, this episode, the title in other languages. Oh, Yes. The Russians call this revisions. Okay. The Italians, the Spanish, the Czech all call it revisions. Uh-huh. Uh, the French call it the network. And okay. I apparently deleted whatever the Germans
1: were. So oh, I can tell you what the Germans called it. What did the Germans call it? They called it, we've got no power captain. <laughs> we've got no power captain. Uh, is that- <laughs> that's, apparently that's like a Mandela memory. Ah, do you know about Mandela? Yes, yes,
2: yes, yes. Um, Yeah, Scotty never says. But he didn't die.
1: Correct. Uh, Scotty never says we've got no power, Captain.
2: Yeah. Well, also the the phrase "Beam me up, Scotty" is never used.
1: Yeah, "Beam me up, Scotty" is never used either.
2: um, Also, it's it's uh, uh, well anyway. Anyway, I found it. The German title for this episode is "Die Macht des Sprikers." Okay. Which is either the power of memory. Or perhaps the power of the link.
1: Oh, I mean, not too much on the nose, but almost on the nose.
2: Almost. It's on the nose adjacent.
1: It's on the, it's on the <laughs> cheek. It's on the eyeball.
2: <laughs> it's on the temple. It's on the temple.
1: Yeah, the temple. Okay, it's all coming around. It's all, we're all here. Yep. Uh,
2: and And I missed the French. The French call this the network.
1: Oh, the network. Okay. Okay.
2: So, Brent. Yeah. Are you ready for the synopsis for revisions?
1: Yes. Let's get into it.
2: It's a normal Tuesday at the SGC, and P3X289 has reached the top of the list to explore. Step one, open the gate. Step two, send a MALP through. Step three, assess the MALP's telemetry. So, what do we learn about P3X289? It's... Toxic. And not like hmm. toxic culture, like like toxic atmosphere. The atmosphere is full of sulfur dioxide. <laughs> Ew! Carbon monoxide. Ugh. Methane and ammonia. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough hot. right there to suggest maybe we should skip this planet and move on to the next one. That said, just like a really dumb infomercial we hear, but wait, there's more! <laughs> The Malp also picks up a strange dome in the distance, about 2.2 kilometers in diameter and 500 meters tall. Hi, It might be worth exploring. Carter directs the Malp to the edge of the dome, Slowly, the Major directs the Malp arm up to the surface of the dome. Pressing forward, it moves through the barrier. Slowly, the Malp moves forward, revealing an idyllic garden scene. Trees, green grass, blue skies, no ammonia. It's beautiful. But quickly, they lose the Malp signal. Oh, no. uh uh-uh. Perhaps this planet isn't on the let's just move on list after all. SG-1 is dispatched to check it out. Wearing some pretty wicked I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan gear. <laughs> the team slowly makes their way to the dome. On the way, they see old decrepit structures suggesting a once thriving civilization on the planet. Upon arriving at the dome, the team decides to pass through the field. On the other side, they immediately enter the idyllic garden scene and see the malp, right where they left it. The atmosphere inside the dome is precisely what you'd want if you're a human. And apparently the field also cleaned their hazmat suits from all the corrosive atmosphere outside. So they are free to move around the dome, if you will. They remove the suits and begin to look around and are quickly met by a boy named Sue. No, 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 no. His name is Aiden. Wait. No. No. He changed it. His name is Nevin.
1: Nevin. That's his name. Nevin.
2: Okay. I asked you first. First contact with the boy goes well, and he leads them to the town in exchange for getting to wear Colonel O'Neill's hazmat suit. Nevin practically prances into town with SG-1 following behind. They soon meet Kendrick, Nevin's father. Along with pretty much everyone else, Kendrick is surprised that they came from outside the dome, but they all seem like nice people. Everyone in town seems to have the same type of small silver device attached to their temple as well. Hmm, what could this be? Mm Mm-hmm. Kendrick leads them to the council for more formal introductions. SG-1 talks with the four-member council. Everything goes smoothly. Of course, the council members don't know anything about the Stargate at first. But after an odd pause and slack-jawed expression for a moment or two, the council suddenly begins reciting from an encyclopedic entry about the Gate of Magmar.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: To be fair, they didn't know anything about that before, but through the power of the link, they were able to access the relevant information. The link is life. The link is bliss. The <laughs> link is your entry into the wonders of the metaverse. Uh-huh. Aha <laughs> <laughs> oh, carry on. Later. Tealk and O'Neal return to the MALP and move it uh, so it sits partially through the dome's force field, thereby granting them the ability to make their scheduled check-in with the SGC. Situation is normal. They've got hosts for the evening, and Jackson and Carter are going to get tours of all the cool stuff in town. Hammond reminds them to brush their teeth and not stay up too late, and we'll check in with you in 24 hours.
1: (laughs) Have fun, kids.
2: Saying goodbye, our heroes return to town for some dinner with Nevin and Kendrick. Mm -hmm. Carter and Jackson, however, stay with Palin and Ivala. Palin helps manage the systems controlling the dome, and Ivala does something, uh, but she knows what the library is, so that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Good for her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Several hundred years ago, their technology poisoned their atmosphere, and so the dome was created to protect them. Powered by geothermal energy, the dome hap- helped the people return to a more simple lifestyle, even if they haven't abandoned all technology altogether. The link is life, the link is bliss, the link is your entry into the wonders of the metaverse. <laughs> As the conversation continues, Ivala suggests that Daniel give the link a try, you know, to learn more about the history. The first five minutes are free. Come on, you'll like it. It feels really good. I'll oh, just try it. Carter pumps the brakes on the idea, offering that they have no idea if this technology would be safely compatible with their Earth human physiology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is your brain. This is your brain on the link. Any questions? Any. I learned it from watching you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I haven't thought about that one in a long time. Oh. That night, the sole female member of the council wakes up, packs a bag, and departs her home. With a focus that can only tell you something is not right here, she walks with single-minded purpose down the streets and right through the barrier into the toxic atmosphere. Oh, Oh, my goodness, what's going on? The next morning, Ivala takes Jackson to the dusty old library that no one has seen or been in in decades. Or maybe longer, who knows? It's the only place to learn about their history if you don't want to use the link... The link is life. The link is bliss. The link is your entry into the metaverse. (laughs) Meanwhile, Palin shows Carter the power room that not only controls the dome, it also controls the link. You can get information on all kinds of things, including the geothermal generators, by looking at the screens in this room. As Carter's trying to quickly learn an alien system, she notices the screens begin flashing some strange lines of code. Turning to Palin, he seems to be catatonic. The whole town enters this frozen state for a moment. But moments later, they all snap out of it and act as if nothing had happened. Carter seems to think that the power levels are dropping, but Palin reviews the system and insists that they're all fine. She's mistaken. You're new to this. You don't understand that these little boops and blops
1: means that everything's fine. I mean, look at the boops and blops. They are visually exactly that. It's as if somebody copied and pasted it. I
2: know. How Come it's, on. It's, it's, it's perfectly in line with what's supposed to be there. Later, SG-1 gathers together and discusses the situation. They decide to talk to the council about offering relocation to the community. I mean, it's only about 1,300 people at this point in time. It shouldn't be that big a deal. I mean, who wants to live in a big, giant bubble their whole life when you can breathe good, fresh air? It's
1: fine. You're good. Yeah.
2: They make their offer to the three-member council, but their offer is rejected. They don't want to leave, and neither does anyone else. But um, what about that fourth council member? What does she think? I don't know what you're talking about. There have only been three members on the council for forever, and there hasn't been a woman on the council since the last election. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Something weird is definitely happening here. Carter suspects the link has something to do with all this. With Palin's help, Carter is able to connect her computer to their systems. She again notices some power fluctuations and realizes that the power for the dome is actually dropping. And if it drops too much, it will fail, killing everyone inside. Oh, no. No oh, no. But Palin still doesn't believe her. He ex- then na- examines the numbers and believes that they are precisely where they should be. Precisely where the link tells them they should be. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Teal'c and O'Neal encounter Kendrick on their way to the MALP to check in with the SGC. Kendrick tells them that he and his son want to be relocated. He wants his son to grow up in a place that has real blue skies, not computer-generated blue skies. We don't want those computer-generated blue skies. We want the real thing. O'Neill agrees to let them come. However, they receive quite the shock when they get to where the mouth was supposed to be, and it has disappeared. Uh Uh-oh. Something hinky is definitely going on here. Mm Mm-hmm. Back with Carter and Palin, Carter is trying to figure things out, and suddenly Palin goes catatonic again. Carter notices that the machine code begins scrolling across all the displays. Meanwhile, Jackson witnesses Ivala stand up and walk out of the library without a word. He follows her. Down the street she goes until she turns around the corner and disappears. When Jackson gets there, did she go through this locked door? Or did she walk through the barrier? Oh, no. No. Their suspicions are confirmed. The Link is somehow controlling the people and preventing them from seeing a drop in power. The team has a plan. Convince the brainwashed townspeople that they're actively being brainwashed by a computer system that is actively brainwashing them. Currently, like in real time, brainwashing. Yep. Them. I'm sure this will go over splendidly. Oh, yeah. Flawless. Flawless. Perfectly. No problems. They'll be like, oh, well, if you say so, then sure.
1: (laughs) You know, I've been feeling a little brainwashed lately.
2: You know, now I understand. I get it now. Okay. (laughs) Jackson goes back to the library to find physical evidence that the link is providing inaccurate information. Carter goes to the computers and tries to figure more stuff out and talk with Palin. O'Neill and Teal'c decide to get their hazmat suits and head back to the gate to check in with Hammond. On their way to Kendrick's home, they run into Nevin, who tells them that they are going the wrong direction to get to their house. Confused by what is going on, the two follow the boy to a house that they most definitely did not stay in the night before. But Nevin insists that it's their house, and the hazmat suits are there just where they left them. Hmm... Meeting Kendrick, they tell him that they have to go talk to Hammond, but they won't leave the planet without him. But Kendrick is confused. He has no desire to leave the dome. And Nevin wants to grow up to be a gardener, just like his dad. Yeah, something is definitely wrong here. O'Neill tells Kendrick they need to get rid of those Link devices. That they're messing with his brain. You know, this is your brain, kids. This is your brain on the Link. But Kendrick is aghast. Removing the leak would mean instant death. Oh boy. This just moved from bad to worse. Mm-hmm. Not pressing the situation, the two SG1 members gear up and head out. Outside the dome, they notice a couple of things. One, the mop didn't disappear. It was exactly where they left it. But the dome, for some reason, has shrunk. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Number two, they discover human remains eaten by the corrosive atmosphere. And along with those remains, they discover the silver devices that connect the people to... The Link. Oh, no! Oh, yes. Carter tries to convince Palin once again that the power levels are dropping and that the Link has is updating every time it does to make everybody believe that the power levels are constant. She needs his help to warn everyone to leave the dome before it is too late! Palin resists her persuasions. She mentions his wife, Ivala, but Palin insists that he's never been married before. Who is this Ivala? Who is she? Uh. Daniel thanks the lawyers and grabs some papers and heads to the (laughs) computer room. The documents prove that when the dome was first built, the population was over 100,000 people. That's a far cry from the current 1,300 people living in the dome today. They are starting to get through to Palin, but he's struggling to believe and process it all. Carefully, Carter invites the man to trust her as she reaches up and removes his link device. But he doesn't die. He realizes that they have been right this whole time, and he begins to work to help them solve the problem. The problem gets worse. The link updates, and now the townspeople believe that O'Neill and Teal are sick and need to be connected to the link to get well. They creepily corner the two men. You must put on the link. These are for you. Don't make me shoot you. Carter, can you please do something fast so I don't have to shoot the townspeople who are really nice but are trying to kill me? Palin is able to get control of the link systems, hooray, and sets up a reboot, yay! But there's no time to reprogram everything for the people, so they simply erase the knowledge of O'Neil and Tilt from their memories of the people. Oh my goodness, who the heck are you and why are you pointing weapons at me? They don't talk about that, that's not important. It works, and they no longer want to zombify the two men. Woohoo! the day is yay! saved. This gives them the time they need to explain everything to everyone. Later, the SGC is helping to relocate the people. You get to wear a hazmat suit, and you get to wear a hazmat suit. And Carter tells Palin that she found out that 200 years ago, roughly, the geothermal vents started to cool down, and that slowly the dome has been shrinking in order to compensate. Eventually, the dome will completely fail. It's only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Palin finds it weird to know he's missing someone in his life, but not know anything about that person. He asks Carter to help him remember by telling him about Ivala. And as they walk off, she presumably does, I guess. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. end.
1: Mm-hmm. The end. The
2: end. Uh, so, Brent. Yes. You have now experienced the revisions. Yeah. Well, it's not just the revisions. It's just, just revisions.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh, what'd you think? Uh, I, I think I've got a confession to make, Zach. Mm-hmm. I got a feeling that um I got a feeling that this one is not particularly well liked, and I really liked it and not in the bane way either <laughs> i really i did I thought this story was charming um uh charming because of a few reasons first it uh Immediately made me think of all of the railing that I have done about the algorithm, et cetera, et cetera. And as I was watching this episode, I was kind of thinking to myself, like it got me kind of thinking through, um, you know, what would a computer system that is designed to uh, increase engagement—that is its purpose. What would a computer system do as it's reaching saturation of engagement, right? Time is a limited resource and there's only so many people on the planet, la, la, la. So at some point, there's going to be no more engagement to get. What uh, decisions would uh, a machine learning machine make when confronted with that reality? Uh, similarly to how the, uh, the computer in this episode had to make some choices when it was suddenly confronted with limited resources. Um, and it was just obeying its programming. It's, it's programming was, uh, keep a dome here and, uh, keep it sustainable for the people that are in it. And it looked at the situation and it said, well, I can't, this dome is shrinking, uh, there, and I have to sustain the people in it and it no longer can sustain, 1375 so we're gonna make it 1374 and here's how and as I was watching it I, you know like it, clearly the story was being set up to to put the computer system um in a nefarious light at first uh no I'm sorry clearly it was set up to be some nefarious force they out there at first then it's revealed to be the computer then it's kind of revealed why then it's revealed that that it's that the computer is acting quasi nefariously and then we get through it and we defeat it and, and, uh, uh, save the day. And I liked how this story was told because, uh, in no way did the story actually ascribe morality to the situation at all. We do. We put morality on it. We see the way that the actors are kind of giving a little bit of a, um, hard look to their face in the way that telegraphs that they might not necessarily have our hero's best interest in mind when they're saying things. And so we go ahead and we ascribe morality inside these actions. But the story, strictly speaking, there's absolutely nothing that was done uh, by the computer program in an effort to do something in malice. And that I thought was really clever. I thought it was well done because the... The reason why I think it's well done and I like to think about it is that bringing it to 2022, uh, you know, the grand algorithm is not acting in malice. It's literally trying to do the best job it can with the instruction set. And the instruction set is figure out a way to increase engagement. Just go figure out a way to increase engagement. And it's doing it. And I hate it. And so similarly, <laughs> this computer, right, was is doing what it was told it is doing it. And I hate it. Um, and it's not good for people. And that then got me shifting a little bit. I was thinking about how I wanted to talk in this podcast about how the algorithm is not good for people. And I, I firmly believe that. But on the other hand, um, as I was reflecting on what I would say in that avenue, I was I was realizing that um, I absolutely believe every word that I say about that. But uh, it's hard to... Um, it's hard to think back on the story of humankind and not see instances where people get together and then they split apart. They get together and then they split apart. They get together and then they split apart. They get together and they split apart. Um, I I look at uh, – at a computer-controlled algorithm that is designed to increase engagement. And one of the most successful ways that it can do that is to create strong emotions. And one of the strongest, most lasting emotions is anger and outrage. And therefore, it is designed by accident to constantly pummel us with things that make us angry. And that's because that increases engagement. And, and part of the real like savviness of it is that you can't just be pummeled with 100% opposite idea. You got to have a critical ratio of opposite idea along with reinforcing idea so that you can see a person out there and go, my God, they're an idiot. Look at all these other people that agree with me. Wow, look at that idiot. And you got to have that ratio. Like if you don't have it, then it starts to fall apart. But if you can sustain it, then you are on that platform, man you are there. You are watching thing after thing and you're like, yeah, tell me more. Oh my gosh, look at that. Yeah, tell me more. The algorithm is doing its job. All it's doing is just figuring out a way to keep you there. That's it. Yep. But is that good for us? Uh, in my very strong opinion, absolutely not. But why isn't that good for us? In my opinion, that's not good for us because it doesn't build lasting community. I think that it destroys community. But- destroys one community while building up another. These communities are very isolated from each other. That's a big problem, I think. But I got to tell you, Zach, you take a glance back at human history and what do you see? Plenty of instances where people got together and then for one reason or another, they split up and they don't like each other. Like This is a thing. This is the story of people So bringing it back to this particular episode with the link, I was kind of realizing that though I really wanted to be on a high horse about the link in an algorithm, friends, I have literally just got to the end of it just now. Like I can't sustain that line of argument without then uh, acknowledging that I have to pump my own version of morality into the story and to keep that argument going because – friends i gotta tell you like it's not like our human story is just one constant evolution towards greater and greater connectivity and bliss it's actually back and forth it's back and forth and this is you know we're, we're living in a moment where there's probably going to be a back um and that's a bummer nobody likes to live in moments where things digress but it happens like people people have done it for a long time it happens often um so there there there's that. So bringing it back to this story. I had a good time with the story because it, number 1 got me thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Number 2, I thought they did a fine like I said the cinematography was great. Um they really did the most with what they could with what they had and they didn't have much. And I could tell they didn't have much, but they still did a great job with it. Uh the acting, I tell you, the acting was pretty convincing. Right? Like the 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 Genuineness with that, I believed that everybody, you know, when people were like, we've only ever had three council members, like it was, it, it, you know, like that gravity, like I could feel it like mm-hmm. thud hit you in the chest. It's like, oh boy. And, you know, I've never been married. You can, you can feel that thud hit you in the chest. Like, wow, man, this thing, this thing's running deep. And it was nefarious, right? Like we had to save at minimum our heroes. And if we can get the townspeople along with us, all the better. But like it was, it was legit. And it was one of those monsters that was unseen. It was a monster that was clearly damaging people and this group. And it was towards the end, clearly not, it was just operating. It was like, it's like a whale eating um, shrimps. Like it's going whale. That's what it's going to do. And it's a, it's a complete catastrophe when a whale goes on a feedings for like good, like goes swimming <laughs> through the water, that population of shrimp is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Generations of shrimp no longer there, but the whales just doing a thing. <laughs> that's all that's happening there. Uh, so it was, it, I, I had fun with this story. I thought it did. I thought it did a good job. I liked where it went with it. I liked the acting. I liked the, uh, the suspense, frankly, I was not sure how this thing was going to resolve. And, one could make a decent argument that it was a it resolved a little bit too quickly because it had the ability for people to go clickety clack, bang, now everybody thinks something new. But you know what? For 43 minutes of sci-fi television, that, that worked out pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, I it, I thought I thought that the pacing was great and the story resolved in a very believable way, all things considered. So I had fun with it. I like this one. Cool. What about you? What'd you think about it?
2: So um I have mixed feelings about this episode. Sure. Everything you said, I completely agree with 100%, right? The acting was stupendous. Uh, The story was strong. It's a good um, bubble episode, if you will, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, spoiler, this episode has nothing to do with anything else ever again.
1: Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think you kind of picked up on that. Um, sure. You know, th- this was an episode that kind of harkens back to the original, um, the the original seasons of SG-1 where they go to a planet and there's something, there's people there and they're like, oh, you're a new culture. Who are you? What are you about? Yeah. And all of this stuff. Yeah. And they deal with it. And then when they're all done, they, they leave and says, "Ah, oh, well, it's glad to meet you. Have a great day. You know, I mean, it's that kind of basic formula. This is also Mm -hmm. your quintessential uh, sci-fi story, right? Um, And especially for today, the 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 the, uh, while you are right that this episode does not bring morality into the picture, it is a a story that reminds us today, as watchers, that we can't give up on technology. But we need Mm -hmm. to be constantly aware of what technology is doing to us so that Mm -hmm. we can live symbiotically with technology and not be uh, devoured by technology, which is precisely Mm -hmm. what is happening in this episode. Literally, Mm -hmm. the technology Mm -hmm. is devouring the people by throwing them into a corrosive environment not unlike your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> um you. <Ew. ew. laughs> you. I mean, you know, so it's just like um you know, I, Christopher Heyerdahl is an amazing actor. Uh mm-hmm. you know, he's just got this this quiet voice that just kind of sits here about like this. And mm-hmm. and he's just this friendly, gentle guy who invites you in and and yet uh, you can see that, that 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 agitation of you know no 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 uh, I mean there were times they're talking about this in the uh, the commentary where they were filming uh, Samantha's part Amanda tapping's part and mm-hmm. and she had to stop and say okay Chris I need you to not look at me like that because when you look at me like that I can't say my lines anymore <laughs> hmm You know, because he had the intensity in his face. Oh, I see. And it was an intensity that was good when the camera was on him. But when the camera's on her, she's just like, oh, I mean, it's just, it's too much. (laughs) Yeah. Give me something less so that I don't freak out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, so it's all of this stuff. And at the same time, I mean, I've seen this episode dozens of times. And uh, admittedly, yesterday when I watched it, I wasn't feeling the most awesome And I was feeling a little bit tired, but Mm -hmm. I just struggled to keep my eyes open and actually watching the episode. I found myself, oh, what does my phone have to say? Oh, talk about uh, uh, sure, you know. um, This so like this is an episode that is a good episode. It has really good things to say. It has a good, solid beginning, middle, and end. It's Uh contained. Uh, It doesn't make a whole lot of. Uh, extra jumps there that make you go, what? Oh, that was unusual, you know? But then you're like, mm-hmm. well, okay, it has to do that to continue the story. So it doesn't have a whole lot of that. It it follows and all of that stuff. At the same time, uh, I've seen the episode. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, I am not drawn to see this episode over and over again. You,
1: you know how it ends.
2: I, I do. I know how it ends, um, and you know, while I actually appreciate the ending, it's it's actually a good ending. Um, you know, the it's it's nice, it's good, but uh, it just it it doesn't capture me and hold on. It's it's not no, something that I want to watch over yeah. and over again.
1: Totally no. The the charm in this one is the first time. Yeah, there's a bunch of stories that are like that. You know, we love sto- I love stories that are like that, where uh, everything everything clicks well into place when you are given that last key piece of information. And the tension builds before that piece is revealed, the piece is given, everything falls into place, the tension is released. But the problem with those types of stories is that when you watch it again, it's real tough to feel tense about it because you know what that key piece of information is. The best of those types of stories are the ones where you're fine with kind of watching the whole thing happen again because now you are able to understand every single thing in the context of that piece. Mm -hmm. Some stories do a wonderful job kind of doing that where you get to watch it again and again and you just kind of watch the whole thing fall into place. Um, And then there are other ones where it's like, no, no, the whole point of these 43 minutes of entertainment is to build tension and then release it. It's not to watch all the pieces fall back together again a second time. Like feature films that do that are great because you can watch them a number of times and enjoy watching the mechanic of the thing kind of come together. In a TV show, they're pretty sure you're only ever going to see it once ever. And maybe you'll catch it on a rerun. And you got to remember all the bits. Like when that final piece is revealed, you can't have too much information in your brain about what happened prior because you're going to lose something. So you you know so you're, you're given what you need. The tension builds. You you create tension in other ways, like for example, the zombie horde is going to come put a link on your face. And the lines, <laughs> boy, were the lines good. And the deliveries were good. Like those townspeople were not uh, malevolent, but they were insistent. Yeah, that there was going to be one way this was going to happen. And it's going to start with an outstretched hand, like like these things are going to be on your face, please put them on your face for yourself, like yeah. you know that was a great moment, yeah, um, and then of course, our hero saved the day, right like it, it it and its and it worked out, and it worked out somewhat believably, and you know, there was plenty of little gaps and weirdness within it. Quick example, you mentioned it. Wait, who are you? Wait, why are you pointing a gun at me? Like, you'd think there'd be a little bit more. Wait, why are we all standing here? You'd think that there'd be a little bit more, like, uh, that that would be a piece of the puzzle. Why did, and I was about to say this as a plot gap, but I'll actually, I'm going to put this in the plot reinforcement category. What looks like a plot gap is that there was a library. Like, if the computer needed to start making choices, why would it? Why not then tell the townspeople, hey, you know what? This library is pretty great. How about we move it to the edge of town where it can see the mountains? <laughs> Oops, we don't have a library anymore. Like, <laughs> you, now, and I think that that's a plot strengthener because, as I mentioned before, that wasn't within the programming. The programming was keep this population alive, the programming was not and be undiscovered. Right? Right. Like, um, At midway through the episode, I thought that the computer was being nefarious by allowing itself to be shared so that it can now infect Earth or something, right? Why on Earth would it be so willing if it's rewriting people's ability to remember stuff? Why is it not rewriting people's ability to be like, actually, no, you don't belong here? And it never did. And I think that's a plot strengthener. It's because its programming was keep the people alive. It was viewing the outsiders as a threat to that mission.
2: Keep Not at first, alive. but
1: as it went on. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Keep the people alive. And therefore, it started to take some action. And probably eventually it would have gotten to the spot of, okay, this is getting out of control. Keep the people away from me. This is getting out of control. Let's move that library. Like You know what I mean? If we had an hour and a half worth of story, we might be able to do a few more things that technically look like plot holes right now. But ah, it, it, it worked. But it works once <laughs> yeah. if I watch this episode again, I'm quite confident I'd be right there with you a little bit bored. Yeah. Like, um,
2: yeah. It's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, and I think part of it is like, like when, because I know the whole story of SG one, mm-hmm. um, there is an arc to that story. There is actually, you know, I mean, there, there's key plot points in, in that whole meta story. Yep. And, and I have found myself in uh, additional watches uh, interested in that plot story, that meta story. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an episode, as good as it is, um, does nothing to really advance that story. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly in a season that, without spoiling too much, does a lot to advance that story. Sure. Sure. Um, And so now you get this episode, which is a perfectly fine episode, but it doesn't do anything to advance the story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know. And so I'm just like, okay. Yep. You know. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't. Yeah. I mean, we we could talk more about the metaverse and all of that stuff, and but I don't think we need to. Um, You you said what needed to be said.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do have strong opinions about it. And yeah, I was reminded of it when watching this thing. And of course, there was that subtone in there of like, be careful about technology, kids. And it was a little bit prescient. I can't remember. It felt a little prescient that in 2003, we were watching a story about, uh, you know, a a warning about what life is like when you are supremely connected to all knowledge.
2: Well, so keep in mind that 2003, uh, the Matrix movies were four years Mm. old. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this idea, yeah, uh, it was certainly circulating around. What what makes it more a stronger bite now than twenty years ago was that uh, uh, now that whole metaverse thing is. I mean, we're still a long way from having computers that can rewrite our brains. Right, but uh, you know, we yeah. are closer to experiencing that in reality than we were twenty years ago. Um, but yeah,
1: we we uh, so <laughs> okay. I'll I'll try to open this can of worms without it getting out of control. Um, that was one of the things that I really actually did like about this episode that it got me to think about. I mentioned it earlier in the episode of our recording. It's the Mandela effect, um, you know. We're a long way away from computers rewriting our brains. I disagree. Um, because I can say something like, uh, you know, hey, everybody, I want you to put a mental image in your mind. I want you to think about that scene in Risky Business where Tom Cruise is sliding across the floor in nothing but a dress shirt, his boxers, socks and sunglasses. And we all got that image in our head. It's not the boxers. He's tidy whiteys. My mistake. What's the problem with that image, though, Zach?
2: Well, now everybody imagines the boxers in there.
1: He wasn't wearing sunglasses.
2: Oh, well, I, you know,
1: we all have that image in our head, though. And that's what I'm kind of driving at is that um, memory is very manipulatable, manipulable, malleable. That'll work better. Um, <laughs> yeah. M- memory is memory is not rock solid at all. And it is heavily dictated by the recounting of events. And if We are listening to a recounting of events that has one line of story versus another line of story. We're going to remember it differently. And it can be fundamentally different. It could be factually. We could be able to factually present evidence that clearly delineates that one version of the story is incorrect versus the other. But it doesn't matter because that group of people is remembering it differently. And now they're behaving like that. And that was what was reminding me of the link thing so much. Like I, you know, we do have examples of that happening. Uh, Are we to the spot yet where 100% of our population is being told what to think because of a computer? No. Um, Are we in the spot where the metaverse is trying to become a thing? Yeah. Yeah. By a lizard that can't move its arms independently. Like it's bad. (laughs) Like this is not (laughs) good friends. Not good. Read books, quit it with the Facebook. Um, Like there's, yeah. But, but but stay
2: on Facebook to stay with walking through the Stargate Facebook page and group.
1: Oh, of course. Of course. There's only one good spot in Facebook, and that's us.
2: <laughs>
1: um, but, <laughs> like, I, 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 and I really do like thinking about these things. Like, like, you run into all sorts of issues with how do you actually know what you know type of a thing. Boy, oh, boy, can we go down a rabbit hole with that one. But uh, the gist of this story was when everyone thinks that what is being presented to them is the total sum of the truth of the reality, they are manipulatable. Mm -hmm. And that can create problems. And then we see a story about how that creates problems. It was a love... I like the story. But again, to your point, this is kind of a one and done.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, Brent, it is time. Yes. How many chevrons are you then going to give revisions after watching it the one time?
1: Ah! I'm going to give it a 6. I was debating between a 5 and a 6 because it's not really rewatchable. But I liked thinking about the things that it asked me to think about. I enjoyed the story. I was hooked. I was wondering how it was going to resolve. When the resolution came, it felt decent enough. It was fine. It clicked. It ended with a nice human moment. It did ask a good question of like, you know, like, boy, like, how do we remember those that that we don't have anymore with us? You know, what I mean, it was it was alright. It was all right. Uh if I watched it again, would I give it six? No. Nope, nope, I would not. But my rule is, how did I feel about it after watching it? I felt like it was a six out of seven. There how you about go. you, Zach? I am gonna
2: give this episode four and a half. <laughs> um You know it, it's a solid story. It's a good story. <laughs> um it's it's a story that does invite you to ask questions. And this is one of the things that that standalone episodes tend to be able to do more than yes. meta narrative stories. I get that, because mm-hmm. um, uh, the meta narrative stories need to uh, are beholden to that meta narrative so much, so often that they don't really get a chance to to ask questions about this other thing over here. Uh, but these mm-hmm. solo stories do get to do that. Um, the acting was great. The cinematography was great. They, they did a great job with that set. It looked beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It looked a lot smaller than, I mean, if you started thinking about it, it's like, there's no way that this could be a town of 1,300 people. Also, no, by the way, no. a one mile you know, diameter area with 1,300 people uh, does not tight. leave a lot of space for farmland.
1: No. No, nah, there's plenty about the math that doesn't work. That, you know, anyway. Forget about that. Uh,
2: forget, forget, uh, anyway, uh, but, you know, so all that, it's a good episode. It's not a great episode. Uh, it's solid, um, but I've watched it so many times that uh, the only thing I'm watching it for is the, the story of the the philosophical question, and I can think about that without having to watch the episode to think about it. Yeah. So, four and a half. There you go. All right.
1: Uh, I've got something on the twitters. Okay, hit us up. It's uh, it's Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin. Kevin is reliably the only one who's doing it. It's fine. It's fine. As I mentioned, if I if I could if I could stop doing this part of that, I'd be fine with it. But uh, but we got Kevin here. Hi, Kevin. He says, Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach.
2: Hi, hmm. Kevin.
1: I can't think of much to say about this episode. Insert something clever and witty here. I predict a total of ooh. He predicts a total of nine chevrons total. Ooh. Pretty close. And off to Facebook I go. Well, I'll explain why I predict 10 chevrons total. (laughs) (laughs) This is nothing more than an 11 chevron episode. (laughs) He keeps revising things. Oh, that is awesome. Uh That is fantastic. I see what you did there, Kevin. Okay.
2: Okay. So for for your sake, Brent. Um, yeah. As I was doing the things yesterday, as David tells us to do, uh, I was writing on Facebook. And I'm like, um, and I put insert a joke about revising your life to be something better, but not really better. Um, comments and predictions <laughs> are solicited below. So <laughs> I was like, I can't think of anything. You think of something?
1: Oh, I basically made the same joke on Twitter. However, I decided to go with puns. Ah. All right. Could I was trying to think something clever to say, but I just could. I kept, kept try I just couldn't come up with it. I had to it was coming up with. Kept changing <laughs> my mind. That was the joke. I kept changing yeah. my mind.
2: Okay. So uh, our our first uh, prediction here is from Chris. Hi, Chris. Chris says hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. You know what? I realized these predictions are a lot easier when I was able to just listen to your analysis first, and then, then yell my predictions at my phone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I suppose that would be true. That makes sense.
2: (laughs) Anyway, as far as I'm concerned, this episode certainly has an interesting premise, but for some reason, it doesn't always land with me like it should. I think it will evoke some good conversation between you two, but the fact that people being erased from existence is just sort of glossed over at the end without any lasting repercussions that we can see beyond a scene or two was always an issue for me.
1: That's a good take. Uh,
2: He says, Zach will give it four. And Brent oh, will yeah, give it five. Close. Oh, close! And then he says, "Zach, if I get these predictions wrong, you have my permission to edit them for the podcast to make me look wiser than I am."
1: <laughs> Got to revise it. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, so, so, how about we say that uh, Zach had a four and Brent had a six? Oh, so close!
2: Yeah, no, no, no <sighs> I'm not so close, revising Chris. that. Oh, okay, fine. This, th- <laughs> sorry. Hey, thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> All right, we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach, and hi, Brent. This episode has always been eh, meh for me. We have a mm-hmm. double cameo right at the beginning with Peter DeLuise and Martin Wood. That's true. I don't know if you noticed that. But it was oh, there. I did not. Um, Yeah, like when they were huddled over the screen to see what was on that planet, uh, oh. both Martin and Peter kind of walk past the distance, walk walked behind them. Uh, and Yeah, then you go. I was paying uh, attention
1: to uh, the thing I was supposed to be paying attention to. Yeah, because I've only seen this episode. I had seen it zero times before then.
2: Yeah, uh, he continues. <laughs> I think they are working on the BLUs. The BLUs are the blinky light units that are in the background. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, this one, uh, the, the lights are not quite blinking. Well, oh, you know th- yes, that,
2: that that is actually quite literally what uh, in the production staff what they call those things. They're just the simply BLUs. the BLUs, the blinky light units. Yeah. Uh, And then a bit later, hey, that guy was in the Twilight movies. I assume Zach has already talked about him (laughs) a little bit. Uh, This episode has a bit uh, of subtle message about the dangers of the Internet and our connection with technology today. And whoever controls technology controls the access to information. Google and Zuckerberg. Cough, cough. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anyway, I think this is not a remarkable episode. I'll say a five from Zach. And although mm-hmm, Brent okay. had a great bagel this morning, still a four because this premise has been done better before.
1: Ah, hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say this is the best version of this premise. That's, that's for sure. But that's a good read. That's a good read. I liked it more than that, but yeah. um, good take.
2: All right. Thanks, thanks Kevin. We have mm-hmm, Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly starts off by saying Brent a four and Zach a four. Okay. All okay. right. So... <laughs> Going back to traditional sci-fi with this episode, it's decent uh-huh. but not groundbreaking episodic episode yeah, okay. and I think Brent and Zach will feel the same way. I appreciate that the AI isn't evil, it's just doing as programmed. Yep. I predict toast for Brent this morning ha. <laughs> for what it's worth Uh, dear listener i had an everything bagel with butter and a little bit of garlic salt sprinkled on the top Mm, 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 mm. and i had coffee and orange juice that was my saturday
1: morning uh, breakfast today it was quite quite tasty i had uh i had uh I had a, a very non standard breakfast. I did not have a plain bagel with cream cheese. I had uh, some eggs and some veggies in a, and uh, flatbread. Oh, my. Which was quite good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not altogether. But, I mean, sorry. Not as a thing. But, like, yeah, that was, that was what I had. All right. Cool. We have
2: Rowan next. Hi, Rowan. Let's see if I've managed to get my mojo back after failing so badly at guessing Brett and Zach's rating last week. <laughs>
0: hmm, I wonder why I, think I you wrote can
2: do it. that. As far as I can recall, I did a great job of guessing last week's ratings. No evidence to the contrary exists, scratches the link your <laughs> face. Who are
1: Brent and Zach? <laughs> Wait a minute. Y'all should start your own podcast. Oh, boy. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, funny. All right. This may
2: only be a Planet of the Week episode with a classic sci-fi trope at its heart, but the writing, acting, story beats, and set design are all on point. 100% Mm -hmm. agree. Brett and Zach will both give it a six for the quality of the production and for the discussion it raises. Very close. Very close. You know, I I was tempted to go all the way up to a five, but I felt a a five was too high for my lack of excitement about this episode when I watched it. (laughs) But if I had gone down to a four oh, or less, then that was getting too close to a bad episode, and it's not a bad episode. It's
1: not a bad episode.
2: So it's right on the cusp. It's just kind of where my four and a half is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: At least for today, four and a half may be different next week. We don't know.
0: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, Rowan continues. Uh this episode has been rated 7.9 on IMDb, which is a 4.5 on my IMDb to Chevron conversion that. scale. Putting Zach. it in the top half of Stargate episodes overall. You're just like everybody else. I, I am just like everybody else. There you go. Yay, at least for this. <laughs> All right. We have Sean. Hi Sean. Sean says, I enjoyed seeing Christopher Heyerdahl and Amanda tapping on screen together in Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this was well before that, but was fun. I enjoyed the concept of this standalone episode and gets a six from me, five from Brent, and a five and a half from Zach.
1: Close. Close. Granted, we went in the other directions, but yeah. You know, Brent
2: went higher and I went lower by one that's step right. each. Yep, Kevin right. responds... Sanctuary mm-hmm. was a great series, and don't forget about Ryan Robbins, who was in past and present for SG-1, and is later in a few episodes of Atlantis as well. hmm So, there you go. There are connections to Sanctuary as well. Um, we, those are all of our, well, let got double-check here. Gotta go to the other place. That's all of
1: it on that part of Facebook, but because Facebook is Facebook, we gotta go to the other part of Facebook, um i Just think in case.
2: that in its new algorithm of of doing things that it it, oh. it is um so now i can automatically post to the facebook page and the group at the same time and before uh-huh. i had to post it to the group to the page and then share it with the group and it was yeah. confusing to people and i think now that they fixed that and i can do that now um we it's all more likely to stay uh oh. Self-tanker. Absolutely,
1: because that's the reduction of a barrier that lets you keep engaged. Exactly. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. All right. We start our predictions with uh, Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Um, Lydia Ann says, greetings, Zach and Brent. First, the German word used for memory in the episode title, Speicher, refers to a stored data in a computer and it does not refer to human memory.
1: Oh Ooh. that's fun. That's fun. That's cool. So, so it's the power it's the power of the computer memory?
2: Um what was it? I uh, think I so. I gotta
1: pull Yeah, I'm scrolling myself. Scroll the scroll.
2: Scroll. the power of computer memory. Yeah, that's fun. That's yeah, fun. That's cool. Which which now it makes it more sense that it would be memory or the power of the link. That makes mm-hmm. sense. That's cool. Thanks for that, Lydia Ann. Revisions. An episode in which a declining society's interactive, ever-present cultural repository of all knowledge gaslights the population to believe that the current state of things <laughs> is fine and has always been that way. At the same time, individual women are gaslit out of existence and all oh! records of their presence erased from collective memory and the internet would totally have gotten away with it if it weren't for that meddling team. I mean, the link. The link would have gotten away with it. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah 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 so why 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 the two female characters uh, anyway carrying on
2: uh yeah so uh i i i noticed that especially this time around um, and I'm like uh um i mean the way that it the story was written, it had to be Avala and not Palin because Palin was the computer guy and val Ivala wasn't if you had to go, I mean, you would have had to switch those roles, which totally would have been doable.
1: Yeah. Could have done that. Just um, saying. <laughs> <laughs> and you could have had councilman number one walk off into the distance and it was still it worked. Yep. Yep. Um, we haven't had a man on the council in, since the last election.
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, we hadn't
1: had a man with brown hair since the last election. Whatever. Right? You know, we like haven't we had
2: McCoy on this election, on this council. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. 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 You know,
2: there, there are ways yeah. that, that you could have, you, you would not have had to do it this way. Correct. Um, you are totally right, Lydia Okay. So she continues. So we have a society that survived an industrial pollution-induced apocalypse by simplifying their way of life, except for the new technology they developed to stay alive, a technology used by all, understood by few, and critically interrogated by none. Only yeah. outside influence keeps the society from being destroyed by their society-saving technology.
1: We're doomed. <laughs> nah, it'll be okay. It's just that it's not going to be okay for everybody i'm not a fan of this episode
2: i think the concept is interesting but the team spends much of the episode stumbling through the mystery and not engaging with this concept that the tension at, at uh, that the tension at the end feels manufactured it mm. is so rare mm. for the team mm-hmm. to fire their weapons against humans especially unarmed humans so teal and O'Neil's showdown with the villagers felt out of place rather than high stakes I Mm. give it a three. Ooh. Brent is going to recognize the attempted use of sci-fi concepts and mark it down for not sticking the landing Four chevrons.
1: (laughs) I liked it better than that, but
2: Zach usually likes stories about how societies organize with bonus impersonal faceless antagonist in the link. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Five chevrons. Well. Close. Close. I'm going to be honest that my four and a half chevrons... Is is a gracious four and a half.
1: <laughs> Zach, you're revising. <laughs> Earlier you were like, oh, you know, I'd give it a five, but I've seen it a bunch of times. Now you're all like, yeah, it really it really had to you really had to ask for that half step, everyone I gave it.
2: <laughs> well you can fix all of this in post, Brent.
1: <laughs> or will I? Will oh, I revise no. this? Hmm.
2: You know, I, I I think, you know, it, it has a lot to do with what I had for breakfast and how I feel in the moment.
1: You know, interestingly, the, one of the things that I really do like about this particular project is how little editing I have to do. If this were a straight, like when we do interviews, the amount of editing I got to do is enormous. Yep. And it's not because I'm trying to chop up where things are. It's just that there's a lot of work in trying to make it sound good. But um, if, if, I, if we were doing something else, some other type of podcast, it's much more pre-written or storytelling type of thing. Like... It'd be a lot of work, but don't, uh, the, 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 fact that I can chop this thing up and turn it into whatever truth we want it to be, <laughs> it's not lost on me at all. Uh, yeah. Huh? Yeah.
2: Editing fixes a lot of things. I mean, Which I could is, take a snippet is sort of the moral you gave, of this story.
1: You could take exactly, uh, you know, I could find audio of you giving something eight chevrons and pop it in.
2: Yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Um, <laughs> we have Justin. Hi, Justin. Oh, boy. Justin's got a big, long one here. Oh, boy. Oh, baby <laughs> Jack Doot 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 do Baby Jack dude Okay. My email for the mini-me episode was lost to Asgard genetic manipulation. My review for Orpheus died in a gold work camp. The planet was always a toxic wasteland, but when SG-1 met the toxic Avenger, and they managed to kill Morgan and Bill Maher. There you go. Justin.
1: You know, Justin does take heavy advantage of the rule that we said, that if at least one person gets the reference, then it's okay.
2: He does. He does. Uh, He is
1: banking on the fact that the listenership is wide and variegated and is able to keep up with him, because somebody got that. I'm confident of it.
2: I'm (laughs) Justin continues.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Justin,
2: you and me, we're going to have words.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he gave you words. He did give me words. And I have to try to say... This. So, like, here's the challenge. Most people have a clear beginning, middle, and end. So, as I'm reading it for the first time, I kind of have a sense of where they're go- what they are, where they're going, and oh, all that stuff. That's, and that's and Justin, just you successfully go in 7,000 different directions. But bringing them all together. Sometimes.
1: Often. It's just that most of the time, there's at least three or four references that I don't get. And therefore, when we get to the end, I'm like, wait, what? Yep. (laughs) All right. We have to continue.
2: Justin says, the planet was never a toxic wasteland, just a cabal of lawyers creating Bill Maher's technological paradise with a benevolent electronic overlord that loves Chekhov's Melp maneuver, though, through its barrier. (laughs) It is too yeah, bad that they up. didn't brief Ernest P. Worrell on the number of planets that Jack has been to before this one because his camera work talking <laughs> to Hammond had the right balance of ham and cheese. Yeah, at least I, he yep, was yep, great with yep. the kid. By the way, yeah. totally off the subject here, um, the, uh, Martin Wood told the kid who played Nevin, I want you to play this deadpan. And in the most yep. deadpan way, the kid looks at him and says, what does that mean? <laughs> oh you got me kid oh you got me well, oh course, you rascal the kid really didn't know he was young enough yes. he didn't know what deadpan was
1: yeah exactly okay. like that
2: Action. all right continue I don't know why you were confused by my review and prediction. I have not strayed from the plot nor mentioned anyone outside of the cast. I'm sorry, Brent. I need to check the (laughs) computer that had the screen 30 degrees away from the glow ink sticker keyboard. (laughs) Yep, Justin got our chevron completely right. Congratulations, my friend. Oh. (laughs) Oh, Oh boy. Oh boy. Although I'm going to skip down a few pages now due to time,
1: Justin concludes. Oh, for crying <laughs> out loud,
2: Justin!
1: Did he like literally write a, a white paper? Is there is there like is there is this like a is this like a five-page essay?
2: No, no. But he literally wrote. Although I'm going to skip down a few pages now due to time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Alright, let's bring us on home. I'm trying! <laughs> <laughs> the mystery
2: that I have masterfully and completely analyzed above is the reason that I have rated the episode the way I did above. Despite O'Neill's awkwardness, at least he didn't shoot anyone. Although, watch yourself, per the trope, this email ends with a bang.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. See, I don't have the advantage of seeing the words. I have no idea where he is on the page.
2: Uh, he's. We're done. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was the bang. Well, no, he 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 did end it with, uh, uh Anton Chekhov, Do Svidania, Anton Chekhov, and th-
1: so there you go. I uh, there we go. There we go. Did he even give a chevron rating? No.
2: Well, he did. Of course he did. <laughs> it was in that spot that I skipped over.
1: Oh, I see. Oh, boy. I'm so confused. Sort of like the sort. I must have. Yeah, I will go refer back to what he said earlier. I'm not confused at all. Let me just get a new memory. All now. right. Good job, Justin. Oh, that's so good.
2: David says. Hi, David. My very first email to you and my very first Chevron encoding bias buffer.
1: Hey, welcome to the show, David.
2: This seems like a throwback to early seasons of Stargate. The team goes through the gate, encounters a problem with some peril to the team. They solve the problem with math, or guns, or or computers, or just by talking, whatever. Or, in this case, of all of the above. The day is saved, SG-1 is safe, and we have some refugees. Yay! Yay! Yeah, whatever, nothing really wrong with that. It's just a been there, done that, got the t-shirt episode. It's filler, that's all, and SG-1 is wearing their ultra-premium plot armor. This episode could have been in any season, and it would have been fine. That's the problem with this. This is the seventh season of a well-running show, and we've got got to a third season episode. It's like The Flash is running super fast to save the day and then trips over something. Did the Flash learn anything? Maybe. Did SG-1? Maybe that computers are bad. I don't, maybe there's some deep meaning That's in the story point. that the link representing your mother always believing what she read <laughs> on Facebook because you can't <laughs> put it on the internet if it's not true, right? If so, then the writers could see into the future and were telling us about fake news all long before Facebook and the algorithm. at was a thing. Yeah. Zach okay. will give this four and a half chevrons because at Whoa. the villain... Uh, because the villain was something unique. yeah. Brent, because the yeah. algorithm is wrong and should not be killing people, is going to give it four chevrons. Oh!
1: So close. Uh, well, I mean, a little off for me because I did enjoy the, the, the conversation that the episode was giving me inside my own head. But still, excellent analysis.
2: Indeed. Um, so those
1: are, are our predictions. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. That was fantastic. So, Brent,
2: the yes. next episode is entitled Lifeboat. Oh. And I want you to tell me what Lifeboat is all about.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hmm. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. The gate happens to be enclosed in some kind of room, much to very similarly to other planets that they have been on. This time, though, it just seems a bit different. Uh, There seems to be a mechanical and electronic humming. They appear to be in some kind of containment. Is it inside a building or they're not quite sure? They then immediately uh, come upon uh, a, uh, a, a a patrolling individual with uh, some kind of weapon at at, uh, at her side. And she goes, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, we're just explorers from the planet Earth and we're here to new Stargate, la, 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 la. And, she, and, and she's like, this is impossible. There can be no outsiders, la, 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 la. Wait a minute, have we seen this episode before? But we come to find out that we have seen this episode before, sort of in the previous episode of Revisions. But the catch on this one is that somehow the gate was able to successfully dial on a moving spaceship what a spaceship that is a generation ship that has been that has left a dying planet and now the team is in the in is in the enviable position of being unable to dial home you oh no! see because right because that that seventh chevron being that sort of that 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 locking place of where you're coming from type of thing the coordinate system doesn't make any sense at all how on earth is the team going to get back are they going to be stuck on this generation ship for the rest of their lives this 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 life boat ish I don't know. This is going to be a message—a a, a ship in a bottle. Join us next time, <laughs> Stargate SG One <laughs> lifeboat. I don't know. I got nothing. I, I actually am kind of hoping. I'm kind of hoping that this is a ship in a bottle uh, episode. Revisions was a ship in a bottle the episode. I like ship in bottle episodes when they're done well, but uh, I actually have no idea.
2: Well, um, without giving anything away, shall we watch the promo that David so kindly made for us?
1: Yes. All right. Yes, let's watch it.
2: I am hitting play now.
1: Next time on Stargate SG-1. There's a ship. It is a ship. An accident on an alien spacecraft. There
2: is an accident. Oh, dear. Name's Daniel Jackson, profoundly affected.
0: What's your name? Keenan. So, he only surfaced for a moment, but it was definitely Daniel. At least we know he's still in there. There is simply no way to separate them or send the consciousness to any other than its corresponding body, unless... Why have you come back? You've done something to one of our people.
1: Is he here with you? He is not. You were just talking to him. Where is he?
0: Could these same water molecules ever be returned to this glass, just as they were before? No more, no less, in precisely the same configuration. It's all next time on Stargate as... Okay? You do not realize who you are talking to! I don't give a damn! you don't belong in that man's party and I intend to take it
1: back. nice Whoa. yeah oh boy I gotta so mm, uh I got a feeling I'm gonna like this one because if this means that uh, Michael Shanks is going to basically get to play like 15 different characters
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: automatically I'm gonna be enjoying where this is gonna go because I like watching him act
2: We shall find out next time what this episode is about and what Brent thinks of this episode.
1: Sure. Yep.
2: All right. Uh, Once again, a special thanks to David for putting together the promos. Uh, Awesome. Tell us what you think about this episode or any other episode that we've already done. If you need to revise your opinions on something, because now you have new information, <laughs> which is not a bad thing to do. If you get oh, new no. information to make revisions to yeah. your previous thoughts uh, so that you don't get stuck in something. Um, that's not a bad thing. Not so a bad thing So if you need to do some revisions, go ahead and email us, whatever, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, all of those things. Mm-hmm. I'm Zach.
1: I'm Brent. And
2: this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time.
1: Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.